Welcome to the OIS Podcast, where you get candid conversations with the leaders and drivers of ophthalmic innovation. And now, here's our host, Tom Salemi. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the OIS Podcast. This is Tom Salemi, your host. We are one week removed from OIS at AAO in Las Vegas. It was a fantastic day. We recorded 974 registered attendees, which is a record by far, the biggest OIS we've enjoyed. Congratulations to co-chairs Emmett Cunningham, Bill Link, and Gil Kleiman for helping us to put in a show. Congratulations to the OIS staff that worked so hard to get it all together. Uh, The day started with uh, some breakfast breakout sessions uh, that we'll be uh, summarizing for you in an upcoming uh, publication. Keep your eye out for that. And also, we're going to start producing content from the day itself, uh, including interviews uh, that I conducted with uh, some of our selected leaders in ophthalmology, as well as the uh, ongoings on stage, including 36 company presentations, panels, interviews, plenaries. We have it all. So go to ois.net. Keep an eye on the content flow there, or just sign up for the Eye on Innovation newsletter. Again, go to ois.net, give us your email, and you will be kept up to date on what is available. And we're going to use this podcast a little differently this week. Instead of sitting down with one person, one leader in ophthalmology, we're going to visit with them all, at least the ones who are on stage at OIS, at AAO. Uh, We'll give a rundown of the entire day, including Brent Saunders' uh, keynote address. Brent Saunders of of Allergan uh, gave a great discussion about innovation in the pharma industry. Uh, We'll wrap up with the Masters of the Universe panel uh, that uh, traditionally ends OIS and included uh, senior executives from Alcon and Allergan and J&J and Santon and Valiant and Zeiss. So uh, stay tuned for this entire uh, wrap-up of the OIS agenda. But again, if you want to hear everything, uh, go to OIS.net once that content becomes available. Emmett Cunningham of Clara's Ventures, who of course is the founder and co-chair of the OIS events, uh, gave his state of the ophthalmology industry. He's done this before uh, OIS at AAO for every year. And it's always a nice, uh, a nice summary of what's transpired the year before. In this presentation, uh, Emmett focused, uh, as he should, a lot on clinical trial advances of companies like Optotech and AGTC and Biogen and Foresight Vision 4, uh, a lot of uh, advances there in companies both big and small. Uh, he hit upon the FDA approvals, uh, including AccuFocus's uh, receipt of approval for the camera inlay. And uh, AccuFocus later in the day uh, had announced that it uh, performed 1,000 procedures using camera. So it's, uh, it's really making great progress. And I actually had a separate interview with Nick Tarantino of AccuFocus uh, to discuss their success. Uh, Emmett hit upon the milestones that we're seeing uh, on the regulatory front, revision filing a PMA, transcend filing a PMA. And then, of course, he slipped into financing, which is always uh, something that we need to keep an eye on. Uh, venture investing in life sciences overall is up 30%. And as Emmett pointed out, ophthalmology is benefiting from that increase. Let's his- listen to what he has to say. 
If you look at ophthalmology generally, the financing has been pretty stable at about 400 to 500 million per year for a long time. That's comparable to the NEI, comparable to a, a large company like Alcon's annual budget. So you can see basically NEI, Venture, and Alcon is a third, a third, a third, and then there are how many Alcon equivalents out there? The vast majority of funding for innovation, at least in our country, is non-governmental. It's private funding. Uh, you do note the small circle here. There was only uh, one device company in ophthalmology invested in. Device, device companies are under a little bit of pressure, and investing in that subsector, if you will, has been down this year. We hope it will come back in subsequent years. We followed up Emmett's talk with our company presentations. Again, overall, we had 36 companies presenting that day. Uh, many of them were broken up into the categories, including drug delivery, biopharma, med tech, and digital. Uh, later on in the day, we had a public company showcase for the first time where we uh, highlighted some of the more advanced startups in ophthalmology, uh, companies like Airy and Spark, which uh, even though it went pub uh, was founded only two years ago, was able to go public this year and uh, is doing quite well in the public markets and, and in the uh, regulatory front as well. Following the company presentations, which again will all be available on OIS.net, we had our OIS Ophthalmology Innovators Award presentation. We presented the trophies to Dr. Dan Dury and Tom Frenzy of WaveTech. Uh, Tom, of course, has been a, a frequent uh, guest at OAS. Both men have, as a matter of fact. And they're honored for their uh, ability to not only identify the WaveTech opportunity, but turn things around when things got a little difficult for WaveTech early on. Tom Frenzy, interviewed by Dick Lindstrom talks about when he first came on as CEO. We redesigned the technology because talking to our customers, we realized two things. Uh, we weren't consistent with our measurements and we weren't very accurate with our measurements. So we went about challenging the R&D group and they, under Craig Bender's leadership, really rose to the occasion and, and got the technology right. At the same time, docs were telling us they didn't like our business model. So we revamped the business model uh, we ultimately took that as an opportunity to rebrand the technology, brought in some new blood and some new energy, uh, and lo and behold, within 15 months, we reintroduced ourselves to the marketplace. And from that point forward, which was uh, the AAO of 2011, we had quarter over quarter growth every quarter until the time we did the transaction with uh, Jeff and Alcon. So it was a great turnaround story, but... Uh, you know, sometimes you're just lucky to be in the right place at the right time, and, and I think I was. The deal with Jeff and Alcon, of course, refers to WaveTech's acquisition by Alcon, which was announced last year at OIS at AAO. Uh, Alcon now is selling WaveTech's Aura system, which is a guided system for cataract surgeons implanting IOLs. Dan Dury, who really founded the technology and the company and, and reached out to Bill Link to get the company together, explained how doctors, surgeons really came together to make sure that WaveTech's system, called Aura now, called Orange then, found its way and, and, and righted itself so it could become a valuable piece, a valuable tool for cataract surgeons. It was such a good group effort and, and um, Tom had mentioned certainly we had the investors and we had the uh, team internally and Tom's leadership that was coming in. 
But we really had a great group of clinical investigators. I mean, they wanted to help on this. They were very critical. I remember Marie Scott, um, uh, just to point somebody out who, um, if we could make Marie happy, the company was going to succeed. And she admitted it. So she, and it was one of those things, the feedback that says, this is going to work, but I don't like this, and I don't like this, and here's how I want to make it better. And they showed up for all of the um, uh, conference calls. And so I re really was this team effort of ophthalmologists really trying to get better results for their patients. They saw it. But they really liked working together because it wasn't just one person's idea. It was really a group of very solid uh, people that were coming up with the ideas that made it where it is today. We're very fortunate to have Brent Saunders, the president and CEO of Allergan, give the plenary address. Saunders, of course, is uh, helping make some headlines lately with Allergan's discussions with Pfizer about a possible combination. And he uh, opened his speech in a disappointing fashion, informing all that he couldn't speak a word about uh, Allergan's talks with Pfizer. But he more than made up with that, with a data-driven speech outlining the state of innovation in pharma and medtech. By his measure, we're entering a golden age of innovation in ophthalmology, and we're due to see more success stories like WaveTech. Let him explain why. The science is starting to explode, and we're seeing great outcome and great understanding of biology. We're also starting to see the crossover of drugs and device. You're starting to be, see things that were big boxes like WaveTech, you know, being reduced uh, to simpler things. Um, technology, IT, everything is starting to merge together um, to create uh, incredible opportunities for us. And so when we look at just some of the representative sample of partners that we have uh, looked at, molecular partners for the, for the DARPEN platform, for a whole suite of biologic products to work in retina disease, Aquasis to change the way glaucoma um, uh, can or, 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 or uh, can be managed in patients. Uh, Oculave already mentioned, and then Mometogen, a new molecular entity for for dry eye. And so it's again, it's about tapping into this wonderful ecosystem of inventors with great ideas and working with customers to bring them to life. And so I'll end with our commitment to this space. Um, Allergan. Uh, was founded as an eye care company. Um, it's an area of healthcare that I think is uh, very special, uh, even though I've only been involved with it for almost uh, five and a half years. Uh, I don't have the tenure of some of the folks that were mentioned in the last presentation, but I recognize how lucky I am to be a part of this wonderful ecosystem uh, that really has a profound impact on people's lives. And so it's important for me to say that Allergan is absolutely committed to eye care. We are absolutely committed to our science and advancing our ideas, but also to all of you as innovators. And we want to be a vibrant part of this ecosystem. And we want to help shepherd through the next golden age of innovation as all of you work to bring great ideas to patients. The afternoon continued with presentations by Dr. David Park, he is of AAO, of course, and Dr. Paul Sieving of NEI. Both gave their regular reports on their organization's advances in ophthalmology, delivering good news, more good news to attendees. And then we visited with uh, Alcon, where both uh, Laurent Atias uh, and Franck Lavalier of uh, Alcon gave an update of their workings with Google. 
the pair uh, talked about the uh, the deal that they signed last year with Google. Uh, it's sort of early discussions focused on the smart lens for glucose monitoring, but they're also working on IOLs and contacts that can accommodate for distance, for vision, long-term and short. Uh, the glucose lens is in the clinic, and uh, they're looking at other opportunities to measure other substances that can be found in the tear film. Strategically, what we wanted to do is to understand how to better solve uh, presbyopia. So obviously you know that Alcon has invested one other area in all the light splitting. So whether it's uh, multifocality, whether it's extended depth of focus, or some of these small aperture lenses that we've seen out there. That's a very strong area of, of, of uh, really trying to provide solutions for the presbyopic patient. Secondly, obviously, we've heard at this meeting a lot of interest on the accommodative side, and obviously there's products that are already marketed and new products that we saw. That's a second area. And then the third area, which we wanted to therefore leverage some of the Google capabilities that, that Frank described, is really the ability to now marry uh, some of our learning in lenses that have been for many, many years, as well as the sum of the electronics. So this was the strategy of how to tackle presbyopia in these three pillars, the light splitting, accommodation, and then electronics. That was Alcon's Frank Lavalier giving a summation of the Alcon-Google relationship, which continues to be exciting to watch. Next up, we went back to early stage ventures. The panel, Protecting and Monetizing IP, a primer for early stage entrepreneurs, reviewed many of the patent pitfalls facing inventors. OIS audience members got expert and first-hand advice from Casey McGlynn, of course, a partner at Wilson Sonsini. Uh, John Schimmick, a patent attorney also from Wilson Sonsini, sat on the board along with Mark Blumenkrantz and Reza Sarno and Dick Lindstrom, all three who are well-known in ophthalmology circles, all three who have contributed mightily to early-stage operations and uh, innovations. So it was a, a panel that really uh, drilled down on the, uh, the, the necessity of protecting your IP. Next, we heard from John Norris of Silicon Valley Bank, John was, as usual, whirling dervish self, uh, presenting a complete overview of the private financing scene. In his report, John told attendees that VC commitments to tech and healthcare companies through three quarters are almost at 2014 numbers. 2015 is really set up to be the biggest dollar invested into health or healthcare and technology companies in venture capital since 2000. And you can see on the, on the bottom the percentage for biopharma sort of staying firm at 12%, even with bigger dollar amounts, device falling down a little bit. So people are saying, you know, is device investing going down? And the, the, really the answer is no, it's just dollars invested into the sectors. All other sectors are going up. So healthcare as a percentage is going down a little bit. And so if you really look at it on a yearly basis since 2009, you know, somewhere around $2.6 billion is invested into the sector, into companies on a yearly basis. And through Q3, it's sort of looking like it's right online. Joe Gilliam of J.P. Morgan followed up with a report on the public market, saying that while many sectors have shown flat growth in recent years as far as stock prices are concerned, healthcare has been an outlier. It's really shown some strength. And Gilliam was able to drill down into the ophthalmology space, giving some promising uh, hope for companies, uh, device companies, and pharma companies in ophthalmology that have their eyes on the public markets. So now I look at it within the ophthalmic community, right? I think this is really interesting. It says a lot about many of the folks in the room. Um, over the last two years, on a relative basis, the S&P 500 up 17%. 
the diversified and ophthalmic companies, so uh, the, the larger uh, names in the space, are up almost 30 percent. But the pure play or relatively pure play ophthalmic companies, they're listed in small font down below, are actually up 53 percent. Where this matters, I think, is that when we got into the 2008, 9, and 10 time frame, and many of the larger names in this room and, and as a part of this industry were consolidated as part of larger companies. Public investors got a bit stale on this market and what's going on in ophthalmology, right? The success of the companies listed here and several others that aren't, that were driving that 53%, have brought those investors back into looking at ophthalmology as an attractive asset class, right? They've seen the M&A exits, which we'll talk about. They've seen this success. And we saw it. I mean, a good example was the Glaucos transaction in June. Um, the number of investors and the amount of excitement that were around a high-quality story that was coming out of this community uh, was, was robust, and we saw it in the outcome of that deal and, and the subsequent trading performance. Joe's presentation led into our new public company showcase. We heard presentations from Airy, Optitech, Spark, Second Sight, and Alamera. In fact, the presentations in all of OIS were part of a webcast for the first time, which was kind of exciting. All these presentations, when you want to see them, they'll be up on OIS.net. So again, go on OIS.net and sign up for our Eye on Innovation newsletter, and we'll let you know when those uh, presentations will be up. Emmett Cunningham followed up with a uh, conversation with several analysts who are covering ophthalmology. The Wall Streeters gave some very practical advice during the presentation. There's a whole uh, list of do's and don'ts that uh, that each had uh, contributed to. In fact, uh, I tweeted them out at OIS Tweets. If you're on Twitter, go check it out. Uh, the analyst told the OIS audience that Wall Street investors and the analysts themselves are really bringing deep technical skill, scientific understanding to evaluating companies. So this really is a help because innovation is being charged, uh, recharged constantly uh, by these investors and these observers and these analysts who are able to recognize uh, valuable uh, assets when they see it. A non-bud of RBC Capital Partners kind of picked up on a theme uh, Emmett Cunningham had introduced earlier about why things are different this time, why we aren't necessarily fated to see a decline in biotech stocks. Science doesn't stand still. You know, we, we get to tell your stories, and all of your stories are different. So innovation leads that path which can break through, quote-unquote, windows being closed. The audience that you talk to, it's becoming increasingly more sophisticated. The investors that you go to are scientists, half the time like yourselves. They're MD, PhDs. They will not paint every company with the same brush. So if you have something new, if you have something unique, it will break through. And last but not least... IPO is not the only exit. Uh, we look, look at all these big companies. They're, they're talking about their, their, you know, basically pipelines being empty. Two of them recently have said so. So buy side realizes that as well. So hope is not lost. Uh, I think it's different this time. And the end of the day belonged to the masters of the universe. For those on Twitter, you might have seen Jim Mazo's handiwork. He had hung a huge sign behind the panel of ophthalmology's leaders depicting each in a sort of heroic fashion. Uh, on the panel were Jeff George of Alcon, Ari Kellen of Valiant Bausch & Lomb, Ashley McAvoy of Johnson & Johnson, Ludwin Montz of uh, Zeiss, and Navid Shams of Santon. Uh, Jim Mazo led them through a discussion uh, just about how larger companies incorporate 
innovation inside their own uh, their own operations. Uh, Saunders took uh, took the question and spoke about the inclusion of Oculeve's Michael Ackerman into Allergan's much larger fold. Ludwin Muntz of Zeiss explained why his company is opening up R&D centers in Asia, while Jeff George of Alcon revealed how big a role acquisitions have actually played in Alcon's innovation strategy. You know, we're relatively agnostic as well. Uh, we don't have all the best ideas, you know, certainly not. I mean, if I look, you know, in some areas, there's been terrific innovation within Alcon and surgical equipment with Centurion and the Cataract Refractive Suite. I think that there hasn't been enough innovation on the ophthalmic pharmaceutical side uh, from what I would like to see, you know, over the course of the past 10 years. So we're very open to, you know, whether it comes internal, external, I think matters less. I think ideally I'd probably like to see uh, a 70-30, 60-40 split slated towards the internal uh, development just because I, I believe that's the core competency of Novartis. We're a science-based innovation company. If I look at, uh, you know, our products today and the Novartis Pharma business, which is, I don't know, 30, 32 billion, uh, I believe well over half of that has, you know, originally been developed inside of our labs. And so we really do believe in uh, the importance of applied research and translational research. Um, you know, and I think at the same time, we're very committed to doing deals. I look at, you know, Alcon since last summer, um, you know, we've done, we just signed another one today. We've done 11 deals. We've only announced two because, you know, I'm not really interested in sharing with uh, Brent and Ari and everyone else what we're doing. But, um, you know, most of them hit 2018 to 2025. But I'm really uh, excited about the innovation that we've done with a number of companies and are doing with a number of companies in this room, uh, even though we haven't disclosed those publicly. Although, you know, Bill, we did the deal with WaveTech that got uh, fed it a little bit earlier today and, um, you know, the Google stuff as well. But those are the only two we've announced. So I think a mix, uh, really, at the end of the day, Jim, is important. And, you know, if you have a philosophy, you're going to do everything else in, in-house, you're going to fail. Yeah. If you have the philosophy that, you know, in-house doesn't matter at all, I, I don't know that that's a recipe for mid- to long-term innovation either. Well, that's it. That's the rundown of OIS. Again, you'll be able to see and hear all of what was said at the event uh, on OIS.net. If you're not signed up for the Ion Innovation Newsletter, sign up and we'll let you know as the videos come out. Uh, This seems like a good time to thank our exclusive sponsors of OIS. They include uh, Abbott Medical Optics, uh, Aerie Pharmaceuticals, Alcon, Alfion, Bayer, Aura, Centen and Shire, and our premier sponsors include Avidro and Genentech and Optotech and Spark. So thank you, uh, everyone who has attended OIS. It was one of the uh, more most successful events I've actually ever been to. Uh, the size, of nearly a thousand people, was astounding. But uh, the uh, ability to uh, network and connect uh, was not compromised. It was uh, definitely a busy, happy place, and I know a lot of people left uh, very glad that they came. Thank you listening for listening to the OIS podcast. Tune in next week, and we'll resume our Tales of Innovation. I'll be speaking with uh, one of the presenters at OIS, as a matter of fact. So uh, thank you for listening to the OIS podcast, and we'll talk to you next week.